Hi, everyone, and welcome on into The Swoop, the Falcon Media Bowling Green Sports podcast, where we gather reporters to talk about everything happening in Bowling Green Sports. My name is Shane Nissen, the Falcon Media Sports Director, and today we're going to have a plethora of guests, including a player. Uh, We'll talk with our main football reporter about his thoughts on the, the Falcons football season. Then we'll switch over to hockey and speak with the voice of Falcon hockey, Ryan Valen. Ryan Valen about their great start to the season, uh, best start in 26 years. Men's basketball is out to a four and two start of their own. Uh, they suffered a set, setback on Sunday against Wright State. We'll talk to Falcon Media contributors Reese Lennon and Hayden Kincaid about that. And then we'll also talk about uh, women's basketball with Reese and Hayden. Um, as uh, and we and in addition to Reese and Hayden, who are in basketball, we're also going to talk to Lexi Fleming, who has been fantastic. He's a freshman for Bowling Green, uh, led uh, the Falcons in scoring in three or in four of the, the five games so far this season for the Falcons. So she's been fantastic. We're going to talk about her. Or we're going to talk with her a little bit uh, coming up as well. So all of this is going to be coming up on The Swoop. The Bowling Green football team saw their season come to a close uh, as with the final record of 0-5 after their game with Miami uh, due to COVID-19 precautions from the Red Hawks. It was obviously not a great season by any measure for the Falcons. Uh, this is their first winless season since their literally their first year of existence in 1919 when the team went 0-3, uh, and they didn't even score a point uh, that year. Uh, obviously the 0-5 record doesn't tell the whole story, and that is why we have our football reporter from this season, our main football reporter, Drew Turhall, here to tell us uh, some of that story of, on what he saw from the football team this year. So, Drew, we're going to go to you. I mean, wh- obviously this wasn't the season uh, that Leffler and the Falcons wanted. What are some of your big takeaways from this season for, for Bowling Green football? I think my big takeaway is that they do have talent on this roster. There's a lot of young talent. And I think the loss of that off off season really harmed them because they couldn't hone it in. They couldn't be more physically prepared for the game. And I think that's what hurt them. They just needed to be more consistent because they could move the ball from time to time. There's also games like the Ohio game, the Akron game where they just couldn't get in sync. I think with a little more season in the off season for them, I think this team could really produce a better season. Yeah, and how big was that that offseason? Obviously, uh, spring football, and, you know, it's my belief that, obviously, a team like Buffalo, who was already really, really good coming into this season, um, obviously they missed something from losing a lot of the practice that you lost uh, in the spring because of uh, the pandemic. Um, but – Bowling Green loses even more because of their young roster. I mean, just talk about how much you think uh, that really impacted uh, Bowling Green's growth this year. Well, I think first off, it's just a strength factor because those season teams like Buffalo, they have been through multiple off seasons. Yeah. They have access to team facilities for years. Some of these freshmen didn't. Mm-hmm. And I think Luffa even put himself better because he talked about how they're doing P90X in the basement. I mean, college athletes aren't supposed to be doing that. They're supposed to be in the weight room with the strength coach going after it. And I think that's a big part. And also just team chemistry wise, just going through the practice together, kind of like how Matt McDonald can establish a rapport with his receivers. How the offensive line can get 
acclimated to like the snap count and all the blocking schemes. And also like the defense, <clears throat> the formations and just their assignments, I think really hurt them without a spring. Yeah. And I, obviously we're going to be, get, I mean, obviously this team's going to take a little bit um, to really get up to the standards that, that coach Leffler wants. I mean, what do you think we can expect from the, in the future uh, from this team and, and really just more specifically, how long do you think it's going to take of this team to become a competitive team in the Mac? Because obviously they weren't competitive this season. If I had to put years on it, the earliest I could imagine this team being competitive, like going to a bowl game, mm-hmm. maybe earliest three years. Realistically, it'll take four or five okay. years because this thing maybe could get worse. You never know. They're still young. They're developing. Loeffler still has to go through an offseason with this 2020 class and also with the 2021 new that's coming soon. So there's going to be a lot of still new, fresh blood still trying to go through an offseason because they had, what, maybe three spring practices. So it's still going to be a younger roster, and they still need more offseasons because one offseason is not going to fix this. There is still a lot that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. So I would say – four or five years before this team can maybe reach five, six wins and be a good bowl team. Yeah. And, and it's early shining day, uh, coincidentally here, as we, we talk, do you, and, and Scott Leffler really talked a lot this season. You had the infamous press conference um, where he got really fired up about it, uh, about really wanting to keep, or really wanting to build something with, you know, recruits with freshmen coming in with their recruiting classes, not, you know, taking JUCOs. Um, do you agree with the way that Scott Leffler is going about building the program? I do agree because he is brought in to build a culture. This is not a fixer up. This is building from the ground up. And that's what he's got to do with these recruiting classes. Because you look, he's recruiting kids from Ohio, from around the area. Maybe you can go get some Florida kids. But he's building within the geographic that he's placed in. And I think that's the right move because he's going to build a backbone for this program. And he's going to have kids that are going to be here for three years and can really build what his culture wants to be. And hopefully it's a winning culture. Yeah. And uh, speaking of what he's trying to build, the Falcons, uh, are going announced 21 players uh, today that committed in the, in the early signing window. Uh, four of them are going to be coming early in January. That's quarterback Drew Gunther, uh, linebacker Diego Neri, uh, running back Jason Patterson, and tight end Zach Russell. And I just want to read this tweet from uh, Nick Petrovich, a, a Blade reporter. He, talked, uh, he said in this tweet, in December 2018, there were three kids on the Bowling Green roster from high schools within 30 miles of campus. After today – Bowling Green will have players on the roster from Whitmer, St. John's, St. Francis, Central Catholic, Perrysburg, Anthony Wayne, Northview, Genoa, Fremont Ross, and North Baltimore. So, I mean, that's obviously an improvement. That is exactly the way that Scott Leffler wants to build, and that's uh, what he's going to try and build. So, uh, thanks, Drew. I appreciate all the work that you did covering uh, the team this year. Uh, you can read more about Drew's thoughts on the football team in his column which will be up on BG. It's not up on BG Falcon Media as we record this, but it will be up uh, by the time this this podcast goes live. So uh, you, you can read that on bgfalconmedia.com. Uh, he said a lot more about kind of uh, what, what we talked about here, but a little bit more 
about his thoughts in that article there. So that is up on the website now. So we thank you, Drew, for all your hard work and uh, uh, we appreciate it. You'll probably, uh, you'll probably hear more from him this year with basketball too, but thanks, Drew. All right. So now we're going to go over to hockey and uh, today we're going to be talking with Ryan Valley. So the, the hockey team was off, Ryan Vallon. I call him Valley. Uh, Ryan Vallon. Uh, the, the hockey team is off to their best start since the 1994-95 season uh, at 6-1 and one, all the way up to number 13 in the latest USCHO uh, poll. I spoke with, as I just said, Ryan Vallon, uh, the voice of Falcon Hockey, about what the team has been up to this season. Yeah, I'm Shane Nissen, and I'm here with Ryan Vallon, the voice of Falcon Hockey, to talk about the start of Bowling Green Hockey's season. It's been a great start. Their best start, in fact, since the 1994 and 1995 season. Uh, and the team will be looking to add to that this Friday and Saturday in an away series against Quinnipiac, who is uh, ranked 11th in both of the major polls. The Falcons are ranked 13th and number 12. Ryan, you have obviously been there for every game this season. What have you seen so far out of the Falcons that have enabled them uh, to get out to this hot start? Well, Shane, uh, the, for, for Bowling Green, it's really been their offensive prowess that has really been, uh, you know, the overall, uh, overarching thing that has allowed Bowling Green to be where they are. And I knew coming into the season that this Falcon team would be uh, somewhere where they're ranked right now. Personally, I think that they're, they're, they could be a top 10 team, and we're going to find out this weekend against Quinnipiac. But definitely their offense, and, and, and I, wrote a, I wrote a column, and, um, you know, and I, I've been writing for a little bit for, for BG Falcon Media, and I, you look at the shots on goal per game, and, and right now no one in the country takes more shots on goal than the Bowling Green State University Falcons. And I think that's just a testament to the offense that Bowling Green has credit head coach Ty Eichner and especially assistant coach Marco Balkovic, who really works with the forwards. And then don't forget the back end as well. Assistant coach Curtis Carr has done an, a, an amazing job reworking that back end, getting players like Will Cullen, Tim Theocharitis, TJ Lloyd, and then some other guys that, you know, that you don't normally talk about, like Carson Muster, Justin Wells on the back, and even Max Coyle slotting into the lineup and as your seventh defenseman now. So definitely the offensive prowess for Bowling Green is is leading the way for these Falcons. And uh, they put up, I think it was no less than 37 shots on goal in each of the seven games that they have played, which is incredible when you look at that. And uh, not to mention, they're almost scoring at will sometimes. So um, it's been their offense that's been paving the way for them. Yeah, and, you know, obviously the offense is really good and this team has been uh, really good, a lot of senior leadership. But is this start of the um, the start of the season, the, the best start, obviously, in, in 26 years? Is it a start, uh, is it, it's a, start a product of uh, the easier schedule so far, you know, the skill of the team, the, the experience of the team, or is it a little bit of both? Uh, I, I would say it's a little bit of both. And, and head coach Tigner said this, that, uh, you know, the strength of schedule is not uh, the strongest uh, when you play a division three school twice in Adrian. Uh, and then you play Robert Morris and Mercy Hurst and, and then you open up with Ferris state as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's probably the, the strength of schedule is definitely something you can factor in there, but um I look at it as I think it's a combination of both. And I think it's just the, you know, the, the best of both worlds here where you have 
the really good uh, offense, and then also maybe not the most strongest schedule that you have. And like I said, we're going to find out this weekend if Bowling Green is is worthy of that top, you know, 13, 12 in the country marker. And, and personally, I think they are. Like I said earlier, I think they're top 10. But, um, you know, give credit to like Mercyhurst, right? Mercyhurst was the only team this uh, this year so far to beat Bowling Green and credit that to Laker goaltender Hank Johnson, who stood on his head and made, I don't know, it was like 38 saves or something like that in, in, the, in the Saturday game. And then the Falcons went over to Erie on, on the Sunday afternoon game and put up 51 shots. So, um, you know, like I said, it's the shots on goal. It's the offensive prowess. It's the defense. And then don't forget the goaltending uh, duo as well with, uh, with Zach Rose and Eric Dopp. I mean, that's been a two headed monster. And Ty has said that he wants to go with a one, a one B situation. And we're looking at something like that this year is uh, this weekend coming up as well. So um, yeah, to answer your question, I think it's a little bit of both, but uh, you know what, with, with COVID shortening, everyone's seasons and some teams aren't even playing this year. Um, you, you'd be happy just to play anyone. It doesn't matter. And I, I can, I can always remember when, when I, when I talked to Ty um, before the, the Adrian uh, series and, and I, and I asked him, I said, well, well t- tell me why, why division three school. And he's like, well, Ryan, you know, uh, our schedules just worked out and, and, you know, we, we don't care who we're playing. We don't care if it's division one, division three, division seven, we don't care just as long as we have uh, an opposition on the other side of us and that we can actually play. And although those games aren't quote unquote meaningful games uh, because they, they don't really mean anything in the standings and there's no pairwise or RPI this year. Um, but it does count towards the stats and, look at a player like Max Johnson, who's leading the team in goals this year, and he gets hundred career points in the first game back. So, um, you know, those, those games do count. And like I said, you know, this year, you know, you don't care who you're playing just as long as you're playing someone. And, uh, but yeah, it's a little bit of both of the strength of schedule and also uh, this team just being so good. Yeah. And uh, as I talked about the schedule, we talked about the, the, the strength of schedule and how it's a little bit easier this year. I mean, the, the teams, obviously they played uh, Division Three Adrian, and then after that they played Robert Morris, Mercyhurst, and Ferris State. And a combined record of those teams last season is 25-54-9. and nine. So obviously not the, the toughest schedule you're going to find uh, coming into the season, but that's going to change here in a little bit. They, they get – uh, obviously, Quinnipiac this weekend, who's a, a very skilled team, made it to the uh, national championship just four years ago. So they're, they're a good program. And then, of course, you, they'll play Ferris State and then they'll get uh, and for the first WCHA um, series. And then they'll get obviously more into uh, the other WCHA teams. Ryan, I mean, they, they get Robert Morris. Um, excuse me. Yeah, I miss Robert Morris, too. They got Robert Morris again, too. Um, after this upcoming series uh, and then WCHA play start to Ferris State. How well do you see the Falcons holding up in conference play uh, this season once they get there? Well, Shane, I mean, WCHA conference play is, is always tricky because uh, we've seen time and time again, especially over my years here, where the Falcons do really well non-conference and then once they get into conference play, it's a little bumpy. And we've seen the reverse. Sometimes uh, non-conference has always been the Achilles heel of this team. And, and that was true before I got here. Every time the Falcons played non-conference games, 
I can remember they could never win a game at Lawson Ice Arena in Kalamazoo. That's Western Michigan. And my second year, the 2018-19 year calling the games, um, they beat Western Michigan. And that was like the first time in like 10 years since the old CCHA days that they were able to do that. Um, but getting back to your original question, as I go off on a little tangent here, um, you know, WCHA conference games are they're, they're very tough because the opponents know each other. And that was something that was prevalent in the two game series that the Falcons had with Ferris State is that you saw the intensity just boil up, just ramp it up to 10 and things started to boil over a little bit. And I, I'm a fan of that because I like the high intensity games and although it didn't mean anything in the standings, it just showed that, you know, these two teams are uh, capable of, of battling one another. And, you know, the WCHA is bringing back some really good, uh, good, really good rosters this year. Minnesota State, they did lose a lot from their roster. They, they lost a lot from their ro- – I mean, look at, you know, players like Mark Michaelis and, you know, Parker Toomey and, uh, you, you know, players like that. Charlie Gerard. Uh, to name a few. And I think um, a couple of their defensemen as well. I think Jack McNeely uh, left and there were a couple of others too. So, um, you, you know, the, the Mavericks really lost a lot. Bemidji State, uh, they didn't lose too much there. I think Bemidji is going to be one of your sleeper teams uh, to look at in, in terms of this year. Northern is always a, a thorn in, in Bowling Green side. Ferris is the same way. Um, Lake Superior State had a run a couple of years ago and um, they were looking to, to to upend a couple of teams in the in the in the top half of the league. And unfortunately, you're not going to have the two Alaska teams, both Anchorage and Fairbanks, uh, decided to opt out for this year. Um, so the WCHA now goes to an eight-team league. But you know, conference play is always tough, and, and and it would be it would be impossible for me to sit here before conference play even starts and say, oh, I think Bowling Green's going to do this, and um, you know, because it, it's it's so tough to win in college hockey. It's so tough to, 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 to sweep an opponent, uh, you know, two nights in a row. And um, I'll never forget when, you know, my, my first two years here in the program. And uh, at the time, the director of operations was Jimmy Spratt, former Bowling Green goaltender. And, he, and we were talking about after every game, we talk about, oh, what do you think, Spratt, or what do you think? And he would say, ah, you know, it's, it's really tough to win in college hockey. And, and he was right. You know, it's, it's, it's so tough to win every single night. And, uh, and like I said, you know, Bowling Green doing that last weekend against Ferris State just shows you how tough it is. And even though the standings didn't mean anything, it's, it's, uh, it's really tough to do. So um, it'll be a good series this weekend against Quinnipiac. Unfortunately, um, we will not be there covering the game on the Falcon Radio Network. Quinnipiac, unfortunately, is not allowing visiting. Quinnipiac's not allowing basically anyone in the building, not even NHL scouts. <laughs> they, can't, they can't even go. So it's going to be, you know, bare to the bones for their staff at Quinnipiac. And um, this, this would have been, this, you know, this would have been a, a date on the calendar that I would have circled and said, I can't wait to, to, to broadcast these games, you know, two top teams in the country, number 11 at Quinnipiac and number 12, 13 for Bowling Green. So um, it's, it's too bad. But in terms of the conference play, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll hold their own, but we won't know that until conference play comes upon us. 
Yeah, and you mentioned obviously no media really going uh, to the the Quinnipiac game. ESPN Plus though will be there. That's where the game will be aired uh, both Friday and Saturday. So if you have an ESPN Plus subscription, um, you can watch Bowling Green. It will not be on Flow Hockey as uh, it normally would be. It will be on ESPN Plus this weekend. So uh, that is good news at least, especially if you have uh, an ESPN Plus description. And moving on, uh, for the final question, I want to get specifically to that series, and you, you made a nice little segue there, uh, talking about uh, Quinnipiac there at the end. You know, Quinnipiac has only played um, one or now two games, but what do you expect uh, to see out of the matchup this weekend? Well, you know, I, I have I didn't really have a chance to watch Quinnipiac um, earlier this uh, earlier this week. Uh, I was tied up with a couple of things here at home. I'm actually back home in, in New Hampshire, so mm-hmm. uh, didn't really have a chance to, to watch them. Although I was trying to make it a priority too. Um, they, they're going to be high scoring as well. I mean, their first game, Sacred Heart, they put up nine goals, uh, nine goals from nine different goal scorers. And one of those guys that you're going to be watching out for is Odin Tufto. And Odin Tufto is a guy that he's a senior and he is the active leader in career points in all of college hockey. He has, I think, 123 career points now after the two games against Quinnip- uh, for Quinnipiac against Sacred Heart. Uh, he has like 123 uh, career points now. Sitting right behind him at 116, Bowling Green's Brandon Cruz. So, that just shows that, you know, the two seniors, Odin Tufto, Brandon Cruz, they are going to be, you know, pretty much the stars of this weekend in terms of the career points. You also look at players on Bowling Green like Max Johnson, who is not too, too far. Johnson, I think, is like down to fourth or fifth uh, all time in, in career points active right now. Um, and he and, and Johnson's been on a tear. Johnson just got WCHA forward of the week. Uh, Cameron Wright, it, you know, still leads the team in points, and uh, maybe we'll see Connor Ford get back to back to scoring some goals. And and, and of course, you have your juniors, Alex Barber and, and, and Taylor Schneider. But on the uh, on the Quinnipiac side of things, look out for Odin Tufto, and they have a couple of really good freshmen and sophomores as well. Um, Carolina Hurricanes head coach Rob Brendamore, his son Skyler is on the team as well. They have a really good goalie in Petrozelli. Um, so, and, and, and like you mentioned, Shane, I mean, this team was four years removed from uh, losing to North Dakota in the national championship game before, you know, Minnesota Duluth, uh, you know, basically almost went on a three-peat, but they, they went back-to-back. So, uh, but yeah, so it's, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's going to be a really great series. Uh, I can't wait to watch. I wish I could be there in person. I'm only a couple of hours uh, away from Quinnipiac, but I, I really wish I could. I really wish I could make it, but it'll be a really good scare- series. It'll be a high scoring series. It, it, it'll be either a high scoring series or a really defensive series. It's going to be one or the other because uh, it's not going to be lopsided. I don't think. Uh, I don't think one team is necessarily so overpowering than the other where you're going to see a goaltending switch in the middle of a game it could happen bowling green has done that to opponents i mean look at ohio state two years ago um i rewatched that ohio state game when the falcons went out, went down to columbus and we got to see ohio state's third stringer i mean when when do you ever see three goalies in a game that doesn't result in some sort of injury or, or something like that so mm-hmm. um bowling green definitely uh, knows what's coming, and and I believe so does Quinnipiac. And Quinnipiac has a lot of film to watch 
on BG this year, and and BG only has the two games against um, against Sacred Heart to watch. So it'll be it'll it'll be a really good series. It will also be a really good test to see where these Falcons really are nationally, because when we talk about the strength of the schedule not being the best. This is your great test. This is a great opportunity to see where you're at, and um, and and if they if they come away with a split, I will be satisfied. I will say, okay, that's where I thought they were. If they sweep, it'll exceed expectations, and if they get swept, well, I think it's time to maybe relook and 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 maybe do we focus more on the strength of schedule because. You know, if, if Bowling Green sweeps Quinnipiac, then we're looking more towards they're really, really good. But if they get swept, maybe we're looking at uh, maybe it was their strength, the schedule. Maybe it was just a, a mirage of things. But if it's a split, which is what I'm thinking it's going to be, trust me, I would love them to sweep Quinnipiac. But I, I just think that both teams are, are so good that um, and like going back to Jimmy Spratt, what he said, you know, it's so tough to win in college hockey. You know, a split is probably most likely going to happen. And uh, we'll see what happens, Shane. Yeah. Okay, Ryan. I, I thank you for coming on uh, to talk with me today about Bowling Green hockey. Obviously, you, you're, you're the man to, to do that with. You, you've been there uh, for every game. Obviously, that's going to end uh, that streak of uh, every game yeah. since, what, 2018? I think that streak will end uh, this weekend. But uh, the, the, the 2017-18 season, it's been 131 straight games. Um, first ever game was against, I believe, Wilfred Laurier, and mm-hmm. uh, that was an exhibition game. The Falcons had two exhibition games. It was against Wilfred Laurier and the United States National Development Team uh, before uh, they officially opened up the season, and I think it was against Michigan State. So um, that was back in 2017, 2018, and I have not missed a game. And 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 again, like I said, it it, it hurts that 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 I have to miss it, but. I understand why, yeah. and uh, but you know what? I'm going to take my talents and and uh, and uh, and write do mm-hmm. do a couple of recaps from VG Falcon Media. I know that, uh, especially getting into this business, I'm going to have to write. I'm going to have to do recaps, and I'm going to mm-hmm. have to do previews and, and and stuff like that. So this will provide me um, the excellent opportunity to 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 take a break and spend time with family and, and actually get to watch a game, watch mm-hmm. a Bowling Green game with my family, and that's something that. Uh, I've never been able to do and, and nor would I be able to do because I'd be working it. So, um, you know, this presents, you know, different opportunities. So you have to look at it in terms of that way. You can't look at it and say, Oh, I'll go to call the game and Oh, yeah. poor me. You have to look at it and say, okay, I can't, what else can I do? Yep. So let's write, let's, let's watch, watch the family, watch it from a different perspective and mm-hmm. uh, spend more time on social media and see what the social media chatter is like during the game, because I'm so locked into the game that I don't even look at social media until the, uh, to the intermission. So, yeah. uh, and until after the game too. So, Yeah. Yeah, the, the puck will drop tomorrow at 7 o'clock p.m. and it will drop on Saturday at 4 p.m. As Ryan just said, he won't be doing the games on the radio, but he will be giving us some recaps on bgfalconmedia.com. Uh, Ryan also wrote a, a preview for this the, the, the series this weekend against Quinnipiac that is also uh, currently on the website. It just went uh, live a couple of minutes ago. So uh, we appreciate you again, Ryan. I appreciate you, you, you sitting down and, and talking to me. Absolutely, Shane. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thank you. And that will do it for Bowling Green Hockey. Next, we will move on to men's basketball.
since we last talked about on the podcast, uh, men's basketball has played three times uh, in their uh, in their has played three times, including in their first MAC game of the season. They defeated they defeated Division two, Division Two, excuse me, opponent Purdue University Northwest eighty eight to sixty seven on December third. They defeated Buffalo eighty six to seventy eight on December sixth, and then just recently on Saturday, uh, they saw a setback uh, on Sunday. On Sunday, excuse me, they saw setback against Wright State uh, when they fell eighty-five to sixty-seven to the Raiders. Now the, the Raiders were a great team last year. They fell in the division uh, in their semifinal of the Horizon League uh, tournament, but uh, th- th- this, uh, but it's obviously a setback. They went twenty-five and seven during the season last year. Uh, this will put the Falcons at four and two overall and one and all, one and all uh, in the MAC. Uh, Coming up next for the Falcons, their next scheduled game is until December 30th, but they will have at least one more game against Defiance uh, before that day. And then Michael Huger also said after the game against Wright State on Sunday that they are looking to add another game as well. So, uh, Reese, I'm going to go to you first. You covered that game against Buffalo, so I'm going to go to that game because that was obviously a big game opener against uh, um, a MAC squad, and, and Buffalo was picked high in the Mac this year. So it was a big win for the Falcons. What did the Falcons do well in that game in order to uh, pull out the win? Well, they, uh, they started to shoot the ball better um, down the stretch. Um, We've seen their defense. uh, We'll get to Wright state later, um, but we've seen their defense kind of, I don't want to say take a step back, but they haven't really been at at a high level this year uh, with their competition. Um, but they were able to hit shots down the stretch. Justin Turner had a really nice second half um, in that game, and I believe he scored 33 points. I can't remember the exact number, but he really propelled them, uh, propelled them over the top. And and guys off the bench just making contributions. Trey Diggs um, is, is a name that comes to mind. Um, but they 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 play hard for Huger, um, and that that's something Bowling Green can pride themselves on. They 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 play hard. They play or they play fast. They're not the biggest group, but they can get the job done uh, with what they have. Yeah, and obviously that was a, a big game for the Falcons uh, to get that victory over uh, Buffalo, start 1-0 in the MAC. Uh, you, you, that's obviously exactly what, you know, the Falcons wanted to do. Um, going into the MAC season, we have, I think, hopefully, as you said, two games before they get into really the thick of the MAC. But that was a great start uh, for the Falcons. But on Sunday, it wasn't as great – uh, as you saw against Buffalo, as the Falcons gave up 54 points to Wright State in the first half. They haven't done that since the 2017-2018 season, which is uh, the year before the Falcons really took off. And uh, the year before they went to uh, the MAC championship that, that, fir- that first uh, in, in 20, the 2018-2019 season. So uh, uh, a little bit before they really started to take off, but it was against Toledo. They haven't – that was the last time they gave up 54, 54 points in a half. I mean – we're going to go to Hayden. How much of a concern, Hayden, at this point, do you think their, their defense is right now? I mean, giving up 54 points is, is really inexcusable against any team. Yeah, so their I mean, their defense has not been great this year, but it's early uh, in the season, and it's been quite a tumultuous offseason for these guys. So I don't, I'm not too worried about the, the defense right now. Usually a defense – games are in the beginning of this season are tend to be more high scoring. There's, there's less defense play just because the guys are not used to being on the floor with each other. So they're going to give up more lanes. They don't have that chemistry built yet. So I, 
expect to see as the season progresses that that defense will get much better. They have the talent to be good. They just have to get it going. So that's not too much of a worry for me at this point. Yeah, and and I, I if you say it's, it's not much too much of a worry, but it is something that they need to fix and they need to right. work. I mean, what are the, some of the things that you think they can do uh, to to really kind of fix that and, and get it under wraps going into into uh, Mac play? Um, I think one thing is kind of decide who their leader on the floor is going to be. Um, the usually we we are going into the season we figured it would be Justin Turner being that fifth year senior, the guy that's been the star player for the team, but um maybe see if someone who is more defensive minded can step up and be more of a leader on the defensive side of the ball um and just be able to communicate and decide what they are looking to do defensively and if they want to be more of a man team or a zone team and see what is working best for them. I, I think that's what needs to be done and I do expect with the the leadership that's on this team that's something that will be done going into January and February. Yeah. And we'll go back to Reese here uh, for, for just one final thing on the men's basketball team. What was kind of your take with the way that they played against Wright state? You know, do you think it was a fluke thing as uh, kind of Hayden alluded to and something that not, just not really to be worried about, or do you think it's really something to be concerned about going forward? I mean, the game in general, um, I think, was somewhat of a fluke. I mean, Wright State shot the ball just incredibly. Um, and a lot of those shots, there's nothing you can do. Wright State, from the Wright State, they made the tournament, I believe, in 2018. They're just completely opposite play style the way they were back then, where they would grind inside and didn't have a lot of outside shooting. They shot the ball crazy from the outside on, on Sunday. But in terms of the game, I thought it was a fluke. But the overall trend is not looking good. Um they uh, obviously Wright State made a lot of shots that just like what what are you going to do about you can't do anything about it but in general Bowling Green's defense uh on the perimeter has not been very good this year admittedly um they've given up a decently high three-point percentage um so it's a little bit disturbing the overall trend and like Hayden said maybe um, they can get that clamped up in January or February because Bowling Green really doesn't need to be a great defensive team by any stretch, but they have to be better than what they're at right now. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. They have the offense, the offensive firepower, Trey Diggs, uh, Caden Matheny is really set up as, as a pretty good scorer this year, obviously Justin Turner, Daquan Plowding. They have so many scoring options on this team and and, and, and guys like Daquan Plowden and Justin Turner, you can really count on every game to, to, to score points uh, that, as he said, it, it, you don't need the greatest defense in the world, but obviously it needs to be better than what it is right now because you can't be giving up 54 points and going down by 33 in the first half. Uh, that's, that's not going to win you a lot of games. So I, I expect, as the other guys do as well, them to fix it going forward, but uh, we, we will see. Uh, they're going to come up against some some good offenses in the MAC uh, once they hit MAC play. I mean, the, the MAC is is a pretty good conference as far as men's basketball goes. So it'll be interesting to see what this team does going forward and see if they can bounce back. Uh, I believe the next game is going to be against Defiance. So we'll see how that goes as well. That's going to be it for men's basketball. And we're finally going to get to women's basketball. It's last but certainly not least, uh, they suffered their first loss to a Big Ten opponent opponent uh, Purdue on Sunday. 79 to 73 to move to four and one on the season. Since our last podcast, the team has defeated Eastern Michigan and Milwaukee as well. They've gone two and zero in that span. In the five games this season, the Falcons have been led 
by specifically by Lexi Fleming, who has led the Falcons in scoring in four of the five games. Uh, she has two 20-point games, including uh, one against uh, Eastern Michigan. Uh, so, so she's been fantastic for uh, the team this year. She leads the team in minutes, averaging 34 minutes per game. That, that That's best on the team. She also uh, leads the Falcons in points with 18.6 per game and is averaging four, about four assists per game as well. I was able to catch up with Lexi and talk to her about what has made her so successful this season. All right, Lexi, you were um, obviously you were a standout in high school, leading your team to uh, a place in regionals three times, uh, getting all-state accolades three times as well. How did your time success at Mercy McCauley High School help prepare yeah, you for this season? Yeah, um, so uh, obviously, like you said, we made it to the regionals three times. Um, my coaches have really worked me hard through whether that's high school or um, AAU. Um, we've always, I've always been taught to work hard, um, play hard, have a hundred percent effort and a hundred percent energy. Um, also to leave everything out on the floor, um, play like it's your last game, um, leave everything on the floor, basically. Yeah. And, uh, through five games this season, you, you obviously lead the team with 18.6 points per game. Uh, you also lead the team in minutes played per game. When you came here, did you envision having such a major impact so quickly? I really did not. I was my mom and I were just talking about this. We were hoping I would just get out on the floor and play a little. Um, it's been honestly a blessing to play, um, to play like so much and just play at the collegiate level, especially at the Division One level. Um, no, I didn't expect it at all. Um, our team has been working so hard, so we've been putting. We've been going at it every day. Um, like I said, in the beginning of the season, we was getting tired playing against each other, but it's finally nice to get some games in and play against different people. Yeah, and why do you kind of think that you've been able to, to have that success so quickly? Um, I think it's really the program has been so welcoming. Um, everyone has been so welcoming. The team has been so easy to get along with. Um, everyone just makes you feel comfortable so you can play the way you want to play. And um, – just always like play your hardest and the coaches kind of give you the freedom if you stay like within the offense, but if you give a hundred percent, it's going to work. It's going to work in your favor. And when you, when you were out on the floor, you, you display a physicality and energy that, you know, kind of has been missing from this program the last few years. I mean, where does that style of uh, play come from for you? So my dad was a high school coach and I, he was a high school coach for 30 something years, um, 20 something, something around there. He um, had the style of play that it was just up in your face. They're going to foul you the whole game, and they don't know what fouls to call. So you just got to be up there. You got to be strong with it. So I've seen it on both ends of how people get can get up in your business. People can play hard. They're going to come at you. You got to be strong. You got to be mentally tough through it all. Um, and I've seen a couple of the girls that actually had it. Um, actually, a lot of the girls did have that. Um, sense of we got to get going. We got to be tough. We got to be mentally tough. Um, I think it just maybe took a push to get it out of them, but we're all rolling right now and it's going well. Yeah. And, you know, you, you just talked about your parents. I mean, obviously both of them played college basketball at Northern Kentucky. You know, what have they been like uh, watching you play so well to start your career? I mean, have, have they given you uh, any, any sort of advice uh, since you, in, you know, the first five games? That you've been yeah. So not too much advice has been given. They believe that um, it is all up to the coaches. It's the coach's job to, um, they don't want to get into the parent stuff where they tell me to do one thing and the coach tells you to do another. So there's that conflict. So we don't, they tell me nice game. It's like good job. And let's just go be a family. We don't really talk about basketball. 
Right, and you you had a good start to the season, but obviously teams are going to start getting more film on you, um, and, and clearly uh, are going to be circling you out when you when you're preparing to, to play against you guys. How do you overcome that and, and continue to produce at the level that you have uh, been producing? Yeah, like I said, you just got to play hard. Um, I think that once people start guarding me one way, I can find my weaknesses and strengthen them. So they have a harder time guarding me and I can make plays for um, other people to make shots or get that extra pass in and just make the offense flow. All right, that was my conversation with Lexi Fleming about her season so far and just the impact she's had uh, coming into the season as a freshman and, and how this team has been successful. Hayden, so we're going to get into the questions now with some of her reporters here. Hayden, I want to get started with you. Uh, this team has been waiting to break out of the mediocrity that it was, uh, that it had under the first few years from Robin Fairlick and, and before that a little bit under uh, Jennifer Roos. Uh, they're 4-1 on the season, which is, hasn't happened since before Robin Fairlick uh, arrived. Are these Falcons ready to compete uh, in the MAC? Absolutely, they're ready to compete in the MAC. I was at the game against Purdue um, mm-hmm. on Sunday, and the thing about that game is Purdue jumped out to a quick lead of double digits, and it just seemed like for the first two and a half quarters of that game, the Falcons were um, just behind. They weren't really up to speed yet. And then about halfway through the third quarter, they just really kicked it into another gear and came back into that game. And they uh, later into the fourth quarter, they got it down to a two point deficit before um, Purdue kind of snapped the, the comeback and put them, put them back, uh, down to take the win on that one. But that that's something that we haven't seen from this team in a while is the uh, just ability to fight adversity and, really try and win basketball games it feels like before this season if they went down they were going to stay down they never really you didn't really see those comebacks or fight in a team that wants to win a basketball game but this team has that fight I don't know if it's the uh, emergence of or the um, Lexi Fleming coming on campus and kind of changing that or if that's something Robin Fralick has been uh, teaching over the last few years, and it's just now taking uh, hold in the locker room. But this team is definitely ready to compete in the MAC uh, and really make some noise. Yeah, and uh, now we'll go to Reese. Reese, have you seen anything in particular from uh, Lexi Fleming? And and what I should say, what have you seen in particular from uh, Lexi Fleming that has just made her so successful and, and overall just helped this team be be so successful this season? Well, I did the uh, I did the game Friday. Um, did play by play with Charlie Charlie Ryan uh, uh, for the game against Eastern Michigan. That was their that was a seasoning op- or season opening win in the MAC. And Bowling Green last year didn't win many games in the MAC. No. Uh, to see them beat a, a team in Eastern Michigan who had a lot of experienced players, um, and finished middle of the pack in the MAC uh, last year, told you that it, it's a different group for Robin Fralick, uh, Lexi Fleming. Uh, she picked up two fouls in the first half, and she sat a lot of that second quarter. And you could see when she went out of the game, um, Easter made a little bit of a run before halftime. And when she's not on the floor, they struggle to score the ball because they really don't have a go-to scorer outside of her. Um, but when she's on the floor and she's shooting the ball well, she dictates everything because uh, whoever they're whoever they're playing knows they have to stop her first and foremost before anybody else. 
and that just creates opportunities for other players cutting the basket. You can get the ball to Angela Perry inside. and it, Having her on the floor just kind of dictates the flow of the game. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to ask you another question here too. I think one thing that I've seen with this team is that they just, they just been a lot more – I don't know. I, I feel like they've been a lot more physical, um, a, a lot more willing to, to go inside and, and, and draw fouls. They, they've taken a lot of free throws. Alyssa Brett has been a big part of that. Obviously, Leslie Fleming – too with the ball in her hand so much i mean is the can you tell that there's a little bit of a culture shift around this team as far as uh the the way that they play and the urgency that they're playing with yeah i think i think a lot of it's just because the youth um they're playing kenzie lewis our starting kenzie lewis obviously um and she didn't take one shot during the uh eastern mission game she's just on the floor to defend and rebound the ball um and i think a lot of these freshmen we've seen olivia trice a sophomore um, and some other young players really uh, like bring new energy to the program. They haven't obviously Bowling Green these past couple of years hasn't been very good um, in women's basketball. And you see these new players, they haven't really been around the losing. So they just come in with new energy and any new recruits going to come in with new energy, but Freilich appears to have picked the right players specifically Fleming and uh, Kenzie Lewis play a big role. Yeah, they, they definitely have. It's going to be exciting to see what, what Bowling Green uh, can do uh, going forward here this season. Uh, their next scheduled game will be on Saturday, just a couple of days from now against Moorhead State. That game will be at Moorhead State. And then they'll open up really the thick of Mac play with Miami on the following Tuesday. Uh, and, and that'll round up uh, the, the, the coming or the, the, upcoming game for, for, for Bowling Green Miami and that game will be at home. So it'll be interesting to see what this Bowling Green team does. I'm, I'm really interested. I, I think as well, I think from watching this team, I think they definitely, do they have what it takes to win the Mac yet? No, uh, they, this, the Mac is really, really, really good in women's basketball. I think uh, the, the last NCAA tournament uh, Mac got two or three teams. in. I, I, I can't remember exactly how many, I know they got more than one. Uh, so the, the, the Mac conference in women's basketball has, it's been has been really really good. It's going to be a tough conference for Bowling Green to compete in, but I think they're definitely at that level now where where they compete it where they can compete. Um, just like you know Hayden and Reese said as well. So all right, with that, uh, that will be the end of episode four of the Swoop Podcast. I appreciate uh, Hayden and Reese coming on to talk a little bit about about basketball and uh, basketball seems really exciting right now. Both teams look to be pretty good uh, this season, so uh, excited to to, to continue that. Uh, the rest of the season. Thanks also again to Drew, again to Hayden, Reese, Ryan, and Lexi for being on the podcast. Be sure to check out bgfalconmedia.com for all of your Falcon athletics content. For myself, Shane Nissen, and all the reporters and players on this podcast, we'll see you next time on The Swoop.